Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham, head coach of Christopher Newport University men's soccer, and I welcome one of his former players' father, Jeff Hewlett. Jeff tells the story of watching his son's last soccer match and the feelings it brought. He goes on to talk about his company, College Choice, which is helping high school students make structured decisions about their future in college. I also encourage you to check out Jeff's book, Making Choices, Making Money, which is also a course he teaches at James Madison University as a professor of personal finance. The book connects personal financial success and confident decision-making. This book is a foundation for all getting started, or even those of us who have been at it for a while. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Jeff, uh, last last week, I actually brought up Daniel in a uh, in in the locker room for a situation that happened during his career, and uh, we were working on not letting people turn on us. And it sounds like you know they're college kids. What they do, letting them turn anyways. But we actually had a little bit of an issue with that. We're working on it, and I I brought up Daniel in one of his least favorite moments, probably of his career. We're playing against St. Mary's, and they had the kid Khalid up top that was just just a handful for us for his four years felt like 20 years playing against that guy. He's so good. And Khalid would, I kept describing what the, what he was doing and he would back into Daniel and Daniel was a strong, aggressive type of player. Like that's how he liked to play. And well, Khalid kind of used that against him and he kind of wrapped around a little bit and then spun. And, but he, because he wrapped around Daniel, like was stuck to him and almost looked like he was holding him. And then the kid went down. Boom, yellow card. And if you remember this game, I think it was within 10 minutes or so, the exact same play happened again. And boom, the second yellow. We're now down a man. And we have to deal with this kid, even numbers, and it's a handful. Now we're down a man, one of our best defenders, and now we have to deal with him. So that became a a massive chore. So we actually used Daniel. You know, we've been bragging about him for a long time. So I threw a curveball at him this time. And uh, (laughs) so uh, next time I see Dan, I actually saw him at Costco the other day. I should have said, hey, I was just talking about you. Remember that, remember yeah. that card that you got? Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he had a heck of a career, but, you know, it's that's one of those yeah. things where probably the boys talk about that more than any of his successes. It just seems like, a, funny. hey, remember we got that red card and you you, you, know, you hurt us really bad that game? You know, it just, it yep. just seems like something the guys would do to each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's all development, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, perfect. Yeah, so um, privileged again to have, of course, uh, my, uh, I don't know, what, what are we going to call you? I mean, you're, you're my co-host, but you know. Uh, uh, you know I don't you're know. I, I think I need coach at Christopher Newport University, but you're also, oh. more importantly, my my uh my stalwart co-host here and yeah. um my other job is the head coach at CNU. This right, is right. this is my full-time attention. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> and so I don't know, like a month ago we had on Daniel Hewlett of the Hewlett brothers. And um 
uh, went really well. And I got connected to his dad, Jeff, um, who is joining us today, who, um, among other things, fathered the, uh, the trick shot guys, the, the Hewlett brothers, a huge success. Um, which is probably, you know, is that your proudest parent moment is them throwing ping pong balls in the red solo cups in your basement during COVID? Oh uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I, uh, yeah, I, I have an answer for that, but, um, no, when they first started doing that, I was like any parent, like skepticism was just <laughs> went right up there. So, um, but, but there was, you know what the weird thing is, you know, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. So the, world was weird, right? It's always, you got to take yourself back to the uncertainty and what the feeling of that time. And it's so hard to get there because we're not there today, but you know, just the fact that they were together as brothers doing something that, you know, didn't involve TV or video games or other, you know, things. And they were having fun and laughing. Right. So we were like, Oh, this is great. And they were in our basement so that, you know, they were occupying. Right. With all those things, it was like, okay, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, and geez, please chime in um, whenever you're ready. But, you know, talk a little bit about. What's that? I'm ready. You go ahead. I've got follow ups ready for you. This is the, uh, the co host okay. job here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but make me the co host here. So, um, especially. <laughs> yeah. for- uh, where, you know, talk about going through the recruiting process, which you can remember. It's been five or six years ago at this point. But, um, yep. you know, where, what you recall and, and, and what you as a family went through, what Daniel went through, and, um, right. you know, how you ended yeah. up seeing. Well, yeah, all good questions. But first, let me, if I, if I, just take a little diversion. There's something I've been thinking about. I wanted to say, so, you know, Justin, you and I met six, seven years ago, maybe, um, you know, when Daniel was a junior or a senior, um, and it, in the recruiting process. And before I get to what I was thinking back then, I just wanted to say to you, Justin, I can't imagine a better outcome and a better, like where Daniel is today in terms of making his choices to go to CNU and sort of the whole CNU program, you know, both academics, you know, the soccer program, the men's soccer program. I mean, I'll be honest with you, CNU was not on my radar screen. I mean, for lack of a better word, but that's the truth. Um, six, seven years ago, um, mm-hmm. our other three kids went to James Madison. And, but anyway, um, it, it worked out great. Um, you know, he started with Steve Shaw. You've taken over Steve. You've done an amazing job that, you know, the academics of the school are amazing. So anyway, just want to put that out there as a really, really special and so glad it worked out. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I think back to the, you know, that that period of time, first of all, it was very confusing. It, it felt very much like the wild, wild west, like almost like the schools and the coaches and the environment was very, like, not very well organized to a parent, right? Like, so when you think about it from the parent's perspective, I'm looking out at all these different moving pieces and parts. And, I, you know, all my kids played soccer. I understood youth soccer pretty well. At least I thought I did. But 
you know, just the entry to it, um, it was pretty, um, it, it was just a hard thing to figure out, which really annoyed me too, right? Because I think of myself as the kind of person who can figure stuff out. And, and it, it was just tough, right? And so anyway, so that, that was kind of my first experience. Um, we weren't completely sold on Daniel playing college soccer. Like we weren't one of those families or people who were like, you know, it's college soccer or nothing or something. It, it was very much, it's, it's, part, it's part of the puzzle right? Let's figure this out. You know, number one is academics and going to the right school for you to, you know, get a four-year degree, get your undergraduate degree and sort of use that as a springboard for your life. If that includes soccer, amazing. If it's club soccer, if it's intramural, you know, whatever we, you know, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, hell's bells on going for soccer. Um, so anyway, but that, that was sort of our, our initial start. And it's funny, the first thing I remember, and I think you even talked about this in, in the last podcast with Daniel. I can remember in his, um, he was, it was at a Virginia, what was it, the State Cup game, and they were playing Loudon. And a good friend of Daniel's was Sam Golan, and, and Sam played for William & Mary, and they were co-captains on their high school, state championship high school team, Langley High School, right? So He'd been in Europe. He had literally just gotten back. And it was like his first game. Right. He'd gotten rostered on Loudon's team. And he's he's really good, right? And um, I think he was playing midfield then. I don't think he was playing center back. But anyway, you were there or or Steve was there recruiting Daniel, and that the, they got demolished. I mean, <laughs> Loudon just kicked their butts. And of course, Daniel's the center back, right? And you know, the 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 play was flowing through him. And I, and I can just remember sort of talking to Daniel, just sort of going one of these, like, Oh God, <laughs> what just happened? Right. Um, but anyway, I, I can remember saying that and talking to you about that probably years later. And I remember you telling me that actually that game, believe it or not, told us a lot more about Daniel yeah. and his ability to deal with adversity. Right. So anyway, but that well, there's, a- there's actually, so that's true. There's two sides to that. So, that's correct. I mean, I, I like watching players play in terrible situations, like especially a center back or goalie where it's just relentless. How do you handle it? How do you handle it? And some of those might have been on Daniel. Some of them weren't. Uh, but he didn't stop. He didn't stop one time. And we thought, man, just a little bit of coaching. We could probably fix a couple of those things at the college level. And so we weren't we weren't out or anything on him. Uh, you know, if anything, it kind of solidified the stuff that we thought we knew about him. But the more important part of that was uh, we actually fell asleep at halftime. And that's actually a real photo of me and Steve. We took a nap uh, at halftime and it took Noah was also there with us. And he's like, hey, we're, we're five minutes into the second half, guys. We're like, oh, yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, so, I guess we... So we, we missed a couple of the goals. And so, you know, we, we didn't know the score line until after we committed Daniel. We were like, oh, oh okay, cool. You know, I guess we'll work on that. So, uh, but it's funny that uh, Noah, the guy that was also with us, every year he gets a, I think he posted that on one of the social media platforms and he gets the yearly reminder and then he sends it to me and Steve every year. So it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I fell asleep recruiting. And uh, so yeah. Daniel knows that that was that game. And um, well, but yeah, I mean, what, what you said is key though. I mean, it's I go watch games all the time and, and I'm I'm recruiting a really good team right now, the Richmond United kids. They won the ECNL national championship. 
and they're fun to watch. They're a really, really good team. I'd take a bunch of those kids. They're good players. But my last, I think, five times I watched them play, the game was over within like 10 minutes. Or it was, you know, the team was going to keep it close, but they were just going to stay packed in. And it's just... It's no fun. It's, yeah. I'm not going to see what I need to see because that's ne- never going to happen at our level. We play a really, really hard schedule and everybody's really good. And the top 200 teams, I feel like, can beat each other in Division Three soccer. It's such a good balance. And it's 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 a little frustrating to watch. So watching Daniel in that environment against a really, really good team, we're recruiting a lot of those kids too. And we knew like this was going to be tough for him. And uh, I thought he handled it well. It could have been way worse as well. Like, Yes, right. it was six to nothing. It could have been ten, and you know he did a lot of good things as well. And so, you know, we we, we put a lot of stock and a lot of value in that. Right. Well, hey you, Jeff, you were you. talking right before, um, uh, right before we pressed play, and we kind of cut you off there. But uh, you you were really talking. It, this was kind of the. It was a very pure parent moment, and you know I'm a dad now. None of my kids are being recruited yet. Tuck's only five. But, you know, one day he's going to be doing something. Who knows what it is? And uh, I'm going to have that moment as well. I, I kind of feel it already. I can't believe how often I, I get emotional now watching movies and stuff. Once you have kids, it, your whole world gets turned upside down, man. And so it's uh, – but it was it was a pure moment. It was awesome. I want to give you the floor for that to kind of let us know you're – you know, you, you're talking about some of the things that you enjoyed and your favorite moments. I think my my question was – what was your favorite moment for Daniel during his time? And you were actually talking about the process more than his, the content of his four years, which I thought was super interesting. And I'd love to hear your, your, your yeah, chat yeah. about that again. Well, you know, one, one of the things, you know, so we had an interesting process for us at, you know, you know, at, in our home and, and how we managed the college process. Right. And so, First and foremost, you know, we're Virginia State residents and the state of Virginia arguably has the the best college system in the United States. Public, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everything from UVA to Tech to JMU to CNU to Mary Wash to, to oh, yeah. you know, to Norfolk State. I mean, all it's it's just an amazing set of schools. So our thing to our kids was always, hey, we're gonna pick up the tab for four years of college, but it's four years and it's Virginia State tuition. Right. Which is gives you that good 40 percent discount or whatever. So that so Daniel went into that knowing that. Right. And so at some level, you know, he was either looking for scholarships or he was looking to play for a school in the state of Virginia. Right. That sort of had that built in. So that that was sort of the starting point. And and that is like a layer of complexity to the recruiting process. Right. It made it, you know, it it just made it, you know, that much more stuff to consider, I suppose. Um, but, you know, one of the things I was just thrilled about was that he chose CNU and he chose CNU for all the all the right reasons. Right. Which was, you know, the academics at, at CNU what are, are, are excellent. And, and I think I was sharing before CNU was not on our radar screen. And then once we started digging into it, it's like, oh, my gosh, this this is a special school. And it's and it's strange that it's not more well known. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps it is today, but you know, when we were going through, it just wasn't on a radar screen for whatever reason. Um, but then the overlay of, of, you know, we really love the, you know, we're, we're sort of, we think about um, 
the, the, the whole notion of being a student athlete and that student comes before athlete, right? And so our thing was always looking for, you know, and thinking about where is he going to go where he's really going to get the academics. Um, and as you know, Daniel graduated with a 3.9 and was a finance major. So he, he, you know, he was very serious about that. And that was an expectation of ours. So, you know, so that, that was, you know, a super important part of it um, as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my, my story was, you know, when we, the thing I remember so well, which is kind of related to what you asked, Justin, which was we're in that, um, he's in his, um, you know, fit the, the fifth season, right? Pandemic impact. So we got an extra year of eligibility and, and they're in the NCAAs and they're having a really good season, right? They're two center backs where the fifth, you know, the, the fifth year holdovers and mm-hmm. you guys had a great offense. You had a super stout defense like you usually do. And, and, you know, we were at, at Washington and Lee, a sweet 16. And, you know, what they never tell you is, you know, just like this, just like this, the athletes, just like the coaches, everybody's planning for success. What do we do to succeed? How do we move forward? The parents are the same way. We're, we're, we're sort of all in that together. Right. And I can just remember getting to that into that game. And I remember when that kid cleared, you know, the, the Washington league player cleared that ball off the line, which I could have sworn went over the line. I don't know. The whole thing was just bizarre, but nobody ever prepares you for the end. Like it, it ended and it's like, wow, it, it was really, a, it was a very surreal experience. Like, and I'm sure that's the way the athletes feel about it too, but it's like a real, real thing for the parents as well. As well. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it's interesting. I, I've now become pretty numb to it. I'm having, uh, I'm going on like 20 something seasons ending already. So, uh, but I remember as a player when it was over, I, I didn't understand. I just sat on the field for like 20 minutes. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. And I got on the bus for the final time as a player. And I, I was like, I don't have practice anymore. Like, I'm never going to play again. I'm not going to be on our roster other than like some adult league sand soccer stuff like that actually matters ever right. again. It's really, it, you don't, you don't even think about it until like you're in it. It's not like, like, I guarantee you, Daniel did not go into that game going like, oh man, if we lose my career's over and I'm like, right. he didn't think about any of that stuff. It was no way whistle blows. We're on the wrong end of the scoreboard, and oh, like it's like a flood of emotions. So, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. And you, like, I know that I handled it of just like blank stare. Don't know how to handle this. Don't know if I'm sad or like I didn't. I didn't understand it. And it took a it took a few weeks, and uh, right. you know, you, you eventually accept it, and then then it all comes rushing back when you go back for your first yeah. time to go watch the boys play again the next year, and you're like, God, I'm on the wrong side of the field here. I'm on. I'm in the stands and uh you know like i played with 75 percent of those guys and it's definitely it's definitely weird you're right they don't prepare you and it's it's funny because you're now talking about not being prepared for two things not being prepared for the end once daniel's all done and or you know a college kid's all finished but you were also talking about the beginning of the podcast not being prepared in the front end and uh it's not not that you weren't prepared but it was a lack of organization i think is what you let me see yeah not, not organized for parents which I thought was a great, a great way to put it. And uh, it's, there's really no way to prepare for the end end. I mean, it's just, that's emotional. Like that's, you know, that's heartbreak. You know, there's, that's sad. Like that's tough. But on the the other side of it, the the recruiting side of it, 
but not being organized, I, I think that that's a massive issue. I really do. And I, I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that the, the thing that would solve a ton of this would be just blunt information, just some honest dialogue. How much easier would this situation have been for you had you had heard from people, hey, Daniel fits into this type of college soccer realm, right? Like these are the types of schools and you're hearing it from somebody that actually knows exactly what they're talking about, you know, because right. I remember growing up and I had a coach tell me, write your list of 10 schools. I didn't, I didn't know. All I wrote down was who I watch on ESPN. Like I just like, all right, well, let's put Maryland on there. Let's put Duke on right. there. Like I never even heard of Christopher Newport or Mary Washington or Washington and Lee. I didn't hear about these places. And I didn't get from him. Like, I remember the coach saying like, oh, okay, well, let's start talking about it. It's like, no, man, I needed him to say, yeah, I'm going to cross out all of these schools and I'm going to actually tell you exactly where you fit. And he may not have been able to tell me that. Maybe he didn't watch enough college soccer or whatever, or maybe his right. entire list was based off of, well, I sent this kid here. You're pretty comparable. So that's probably where you deserve to go. And so really, Jeff, I mean, what type, now that you've gone through the process, you're actually, I think you're helping parents now. You're doing a good job with that. Mm -hmm. Now that you've gone through the process, if you can go back and talk to Jeff Hewlett of eight years ago when Daniel's right, right, right. jumping into this, it's like, oh, yeah, college soccer, you know, whatever. You know, we've already thought about college on the academic side, but this whole thing is a new angle. We don't know anything about. What are you going to tell yourself? What's important to you? How can you help right, that parent right. who's there now? Yeah, no. And I, I yeah, thanks for asking that. I um, so, you know, part, you know, part of what I do uh, Justin, and I think you and Scott know, you know, I'm a, a big into finance, personal finance, and really in terms of decision making, I'm a, I'm a behavioral economist. And, you know, economists, that's sort of what we obsess over, right? Where we think about trade-offs, incentives, but making, but ultimately it's all about making decisions, right? And so my, um, I, I work for a company called Definitive, and what we do is we make choice architecture, which basically helps people make complex decisions. And when I say complex decisions, those are multi-criteria, like here's all the things that are important to me about soccer, right? Whether it be academics, distance from home, the program, the coach, the, you know, the color, the kind of food that's there, you know, I mean, it, it, everybody's different. And that's what's important about it is that everybody's different. Um, but, but we provide this choice architecture, which is basically the process to help people start with really weighing what's important to you about college. And, and, and also recognizing that when you're a sophomore or junior, and even if you're the parent of a sophomore or junior, what you think is important today is going to evolve as you learn more. So it's not just a decision process that sort of says, set it and forget it. It's something that evolves with you, right? And right. so we... So that that's what I do now. And, and one of the things that we do is we, we, we have an app called College Choice, and it's built around really the science of how people naturally make decisions and then applying it in like in this case to college and the college, you know, even into uh, sports, um, including sports in that process. So, you know, we I went through kind of a very rudimentary part of that. Right. And, and it, it kind of helped to focus me in on how to really think about it. And, you know, we've, we've created this, this set of products to help people with that process. Um, but, you know, one of my big takeaways, honestly, um, is there seems to be some really weird 
misinformation about, and it's almost like a marketing thing about division one, whatever, division one soccer, division one, whatever. And, you know, it's hooey. It's like, I mean, you could take CNU and if you, if they could play probably maybe not the top 25, but probably that, you know, that certainly the mid tier D one schools, they would for sure give them a good game and probably win more than they'd lose. Right. So the whole notion that D1 is better than D3, especially in the non-revenue sports, it's just crap, right? It's, it's just not true. Why students, you know, especially these, you know, high school kids get all wrapped around that notion is, I don't know. It's, right. I don't get it. Right. And, but nobody really tells you that up front. So, the, you know, the new, the today, Jeff would tell the, the then Jeff, you know, even more, I was suspicious of it back then. It would be even more solidly it, you know, what division a, a college is in doesn't really matter. Yeah, they get nine and a half or 9.9 scholarships versus D3 doesn't get any scholarships. But that, you know, that's such a small part, really, of the big picture, in my view. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you talk about the marketing thing, and I, I, I give, when I talk to large groups, usually it's an ID camp of some sort, I talk to large groups of kids. Uh, I bring up the, and I, I kind of have to as a D3 coach, but you, you bring up, uh, you know, I follow a few things um, and it'll show when a kid commits to a school. Uh, it, it's funny how often if it's a division one school, they don't say the school first. They don't really say anything first other than Scott Cooper committed to. And the first thing it says is division one. UVA, Division One Duke, Division One Georgetown. Sorry, wow. Scott went to Virginia Tech. Division One Virginia Tech, and it's funny because I look at that as a as a sports guy, and I go, "Yeah, who doesn't know these schools are Division One for starters?" Right. And other right. thing is, why is that the most important thing? Like, why are we like, okay, was it a good decision? <laughs> like, is was right. it the perfect fit? Okay, you're going to Tech. Are you gonna be an engineer? Is that why you chose that school? Like, it, it just there's right. so much more to it, but we cut straight to this one thing. And it's this arbitrary number, and it, it's it's a you know as a Division three coach, it's a little frustrating. I'm nothing against Division one world. I'd I'd love to be in it one day and maybe coach a little bit with it one day. So I'm not against it. But when you see that over and over again, I'm like, that's not doing the kid any favors, and sure as heck right. not doing any of the other kids favors that see that because they right. see that and they go, oh, Division one, that's that's what we're going right. to celebrate. We have to celebrate that. And it's funny. I always ask the question. All right, cool. You got to post that when's the next, what's the next thing you can post? And the kids don't have the answer because the only answer is what you accomplished. And you notice there's a lot of kids that they have that post like, Hey, I committed to play division one soccer at XYZ. Great. Good for you. Good school. Awesome decision. Maybe, maybe it checks a lot of the boxes, but you now can't post a thing until you accomplish something. And unfortunately I've seen so many kids after that first post, there's no more post. There's no more post or it's the wrong wow. post. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm now doing something else or they have to change their bio right. or whatever it is. And, you know, I feel bad for those kids and I feel bad overall. And, you know, you talk about the marketing and I, I've actually asked some club directors this. And I mean, why would they go to a club? Why would me as a parent who has a five-year-old, maybe he, maybe he's 10 and I've got three options for clubs up where you are. How many options do you have in Northern Virginia? Within a 30 minute drive, you can go to 12 different awesome clubs well, what's something that's going to drag you? It's like, oh, look at all these kids right. going to these great Division One schools. Of course, they're going to 
market that? Why wouldn't they? I mean, they're good schools. I mean, I, I get it. So right. we that's fine. There's nothing wrong with most of what I'm talking about, but we have to make sure we continue to educate. We have to make sure we continue right. to say, you know, Scott chose tech for these other reasons. And it just happened to be that he wow. got offered a spot to play soccer there as well. Perfect fit, you know? Right. Well, you know, a part of the problem too is Justin, I think, and what made me think of when you were describing that is we focus on right today, I got into division one tech or whatever the, you know, the way a decision person thinks about it is, well, what's the outcome, right? So let's take that cohort of division one student schools and then take the, the cohort of division three. Let's look at them four years from now or five years from now. I can right. tell you the attrition rate is at least just from my just ob observation of people I know and, the, and students that I've seen, people fall out of these D1 programs all the time and are disappointed. It was just not a good experience. They didn't play. The school wasn't quite the right fit because they got so hyper-focused on it's division one. And that's kind of all that matters. It's almost like, like I was talking about, you have all this criteria about what's important to you about college. You can't mm -hmm. just focus on one. It needs to, you have to do the trade-offs. You have to have, it's a balance. And right. so my, my observation has just been those outcomes, at least in the kids that I've seen that have gone to D3, they just seem happier. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it just works for them. Um, and like, yeah. how many, let me ask you, how many kids do you get to transfer from D1 because it's not the right fit? I bet that happens all the time, right? Yeah, it, it does. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I, I there are kids that I see commit to go Division One, and it's kind of like, okay, I'm basing this off of the thousands and thousands of kids I've recruited over the years. I feel like that's not going to work. I can't tell you how many of those kids, like good Virginia kids, I had conversations with that I liked, and I'm like, let me check and see what's going on. And sure enough, they redshirted as a freshman, didn't play at all their second year. Here they are in year three, and they're not getting much. And so you're like, all right, I I, I would love to ask that kid, would you do it differently? I would love to, uh, you know, I can't call the kid up as, yeah. as a junior at another school, you know, but then then you do see some of those kids jump into the portal. And then uh, a lot of them, I, I call them immediately. I still have their cell phone number or whatever. I'll shoot them a text and just say, hey, what's right. going on with this stuff? What, why are you in the portal? And they all say the same general thing. Like, uh, I'm unhappy here. I'm not playing. I thought I was going to be the guy. And uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I just, I want to be blunt here though. I, I get it. I, I really do. I was 16 and I wanted to play Division One soccer. Like that's where I wanted to go. I mean, that's awesome. I have no problem with that. I, I have a problem when there's no money on the table. You know, like if my five-year-old gets a full scholarship somewhere, it's like, all right, well, you're going there. See you later, buddy. I'm not paying for school. But if there's no money on the table, you're paying for your four-year right. experience. Why would you make a decision off of just one factor? It's like, would you spend that much money on a car, that much money on a house yeah, and do it just because you like the garage? You know, like what about the rest of the house? Or, you know, like mm -hmm. it just seems like such a weird thing. And it, it's hard to explain that. It really is. It's hard to say that to you know, a 16 year old right. kid, like you have to look past that, man. You have to see when you're 22 years old, what do you have in your hand? What do you have experience? Right. What do you have in your memories? And it's just, it's just so hard for these kids. And I get it, man. And it's getting harder and harder because of the social media world with this instant gratification, the likes, the likes, the likes, and you know, mm -hmm. you, you want to get as many as you can right away. And you're like, uh Oh, I, I ran out of likes. Cause I, I chose a place I don't <laughs> really like. And right. uh, it's a little, little frustrating. So um, it, I would like to see, more kids 
once the money's off the table, make the right decision for all the right reasons. And, uh, right. you know, there are a lot of great examples too. A lot of great examples. I've talked to a lot of kids. I've helped a lot of kids find good homes. Uh, I've used a, a, right. a kid that I coached for a long time. I used him as an example. I offered him a spot, wanted him to come play for me. And then he tells me exactly what he wants in his college experience. And I go, oh, well, you can't come play for me. I take your spot away. You need to go to Virginia Tech and go be uh, a mechanical engineer and go just play club soccer. And the kid called me after graduating, like, man, I'm, I'm glad I did this. I, I, I would love to have played, but I'm glad this. that was a kid who should have gone to one of those schools who made the right decisions for the right reasons. And, yep. you know, I, I just I like that story way more than the unfortunate story of these kids making a decision just because of one one factor and then next thing you know within 18 months they're trying to get out of there and it's it that that's sad to yep. me, especially if it's a kid yeah. i know and have a relationship with. well and i also think like part of the challenge that i see sometimes too is you know in our country and this is america right we're all about freedom to choose and decision making right and so it's almost like sometimes i feel like we throw a lot of information at people right? And say, hey, here's everything there's to know about this college or that college. But it's all in the context of day to day to day, right? Throwing information at people. For some reason, we're, we, we kind of have this, this mindset of if we give people enough information, this magic decision wheel is going to turn and outcome will be the best decision. Well, the problem is when you drown people in data, they're just going to latch on to one thing that they know. I want to go to D1, right? Because we don't provide the decision process to really help them. And by the way, a good decision process is not guiding the decision in any other way that it's your decision. It's just structuring the decision. So, you know, that's really our mission and what we're trying to do. We're working with, with local soccer clubs and, and high schools to really put this technology, not just into kids that are trying to get into college for, you know, to play soccer or for, for sports recruiting, but just general right for 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 you know your everyday kids because let's face it college has gone from being like a, you know when you know I'm I'm in my 50s so what I paid for college is a whole lot less than what kids are paying for college today it's become a high risk um high return sort of decision and so anyway so we're we're really that's what we're trying to do is and especially getting them to the clubs you know basically people that are there that are with the kids when they have to make the, with the students when they have to make that those decisions to get away from what you were saying like mm -hmm. don't just latch on to one thing there is a way to bring in all the other things and create your unique what's important to you decision model and do it in a way that's easy that's fast and builds confidence you can bring in your parents and family you know to sort of get the information to you know that you know their context um but, you know, another interesting thing, um, which may be part of this, too, statistic is only 40 percent of Americans have undergraduate degrees or higher. Right. So 60 percent of people don't have that. So if you think about it, on average, college is not like is not a lived experience for 60 percent of Americans. So that's part of it, too. Like if you're a first generation student, you're at an even bigger disadvantage, right? Because you don't have a mom or dad and it's no fault of theirs, but they just don't have the experience in the home. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, I think you touched on a lot of good things there. And uh, it's, it's interesting because 
you know, I, I work at a school, I'm recruiting kids to come here, but uh, I have advised kids on, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is what's important to me. And these are my options for soccer. And I'm like, all right, well, why would you spend all that money to go to those couple of schools? Good schools are fine. Don't get me wrong. But with what he wants to study, what he wants to accomplish in life, I like, mean, don't you just right. stay home. I mean, like, go if you want to pick up a couple of classes where you want to work towards a degree just to back you up. That's fine. But I have advised some people to uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me call you guys. Let me, can I jump right back on here? My wife has called me like 10 times. I mean, right back. Um, Jeff, I want to give you an opportunity to talk. I mean, we're kind of dancing around it, but not necessarily naming it. Um, your app called College Choice um, is a tool to help with this, you know, right? incredibly, um, as you said, high risk, high reward choice that kids are having yeah. to make. Delve into, you know, how that works and, and um, you know, how it's helping yes. kids. Yeah, so the idea is, and I kind of hit on it before, you know, our world is so overwhelmed with social media and data and information. The problem today isn't too little information. It's the opposite. We're drowning in information. And it's, it's, it's a subtraction problem. What information should I ignore? You know, it's so weird because if you think about it, like look at, think of long, long history, right? Up until about 30 years ago, data was scarce. Right. And so our decisions were only it only took three pieces of information because that's the only three we could find. And the, the decision was obvious. Well, just the last 30 years in human history, it's all flipped. Right. And so the, it's like it all flipped and nobody told our genome or something. Right. It's like we're, we're, our brains have not changed in the last 30 years to, to sort of recognize that challenge. So so that that's we're, we're we're behavioral economists. We're decision scientists. I mean, that that's the science that, that, that goes behind this. And um, but but, you know, we're we are we help with a lot of different decisions. But one of the big ones is what the, the app called College Choice. And that's, by the way, uh, College Choice with an X, X-O-I-C-E, but College Choice are in, in all the app stores. And so and we're it's part of our nonprofit called Definitive Social and. So our model is we give it away to kids, right? We do try to partner with um, either the nonprofits, with school systems, with soccer clubs or other sports clubs as, as a, to license it to them as a means to help, you know, with, with all their, you know, the, the students that are in there, their, their catchment that, you know, that, that could use some help with the decision-making process. And so really it's all about, you know, Structuring that information, the app itself starts with a lot of education. You know, what's a FAFSA? What's uh, you know the, the the student aid financial aid form? What's tuition? What's what what are other challenges with 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 um you know distance from home? What about majors? What's hot now? You know, what 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 are what what's being bought out there in four years? So you make sure you think about a major that makes sense for you that you know you can actually get a job with after you graduate. But but all those sort of things we provide as education. But the real core of what we do is stepping them through a structured decision process that creates their decision model. And this is different. This is like the opposite of AI, right? If you think about artificial intelligence, it's telling you, hey, what everybody that looks like you, this is what they did. Well, you're not average. You're, you're not the same as everybody else. To, to me, AI is flawed in that way. This is the opposite. It's taking you through a structured process to help you build your model. We call it HI, human intelligence, right? It really structures your human intelligence 
to take you through a process. So at the end of the day, it's not somebody who looked like you, it's you, <laughs> right? It's yeah. your decision. It's your, what is important to you about your college experience? And then it overlays, you know, you know, if it's a soccer, um, soccer player, it overlays the, uh, you know, the, the, the soccer and, and, and the recruiting process. But, but at the end of the day, it's going to help with this, you know, they, they put in there, say, you know, five to 10, you know, stretch target or fallback schools like, you know, it's kind of typical in the process, but it steps them through a process of evaluating that. So like, if you think about it, like if Daniel had that, when he was talking to you, Justin, he would have had his model at the top of the list would have been the most important thing to him about his college experience. So it's like his ask list. So he knows exactly what to ask that college coach to make sure he understands so he can properly rate that piece of criteria, right? So it's really meant to narrow the field of information that they need to understand to make the decision. And in the mathematics, it uses matrix algebra. It's all in the background. Nobody ever sees the math, but it all works. And basically you end up with basically a, it's, it's like a cost benefit trade-off, right? Where it's going to have his, how much the school costs. You layer in all your grants, scholarships, et cetera. And this is compared to your benefit, to what's important to you. And then almost always, you know, one or two schools will just naturally rise to the top and the best value for what's important to you. And, and but the cool thing is it, it, it's very interactive. It, it brings in your parents, can bring in other counselors, people that sort of can work with the student as in an, important, in a, an appropriate way. But ultimately, it delivers confidence. Right. So you're stepping into that program, being confident that you made the right choice. And if it was a D3 school instead of a D1 school, you can tell all your friends or whatever. This is why mm-hmm. this school was the best for me. And it's just it, it, so it's very inspiring that way. It makes you feel really good about your choice. I think uh, the the phrase drowning in information is such a such a good one. And I, I couldn't agree more, especially how many times you walked around an area where there's young people and they're not sitting in their phones. I mean, it's just, I mean, they're, they, they can't, they're like walking across the street in middle traffic, you know, they don't even realize what's going on. And, uh, I, I compare it to a couple of things. I like to compare it to the cheesecake factory. Uh, you ever gone to eat there? How big is it? Get a book. Yeah. How can you make a decision? You're like, Oh, that, looks cool. that also looks good. That also looks good. And right. or like Netflix, you turn on Netflix, like, all right, what do you want to watch? It's there's 4,000 options yeah. here. And next thing you know, you're 30 minutes in and you've like, you've liked a bunch of things, but you're like, maybe there's something a little bit better, you know? And uh, so I I love, I love the idea because it, it helps people find out what's truly important to them inside. And a lot of that is, you know, guided questioning, I'm sure. And that's exactly what I do when I bring in a kid. If it's someone I know, it's a local kid or um, even someone I'm recruiting that's early in the process, there's a lot of guided questions. And by the end of it, the kid's like, oh, now I know exactly what I want in college, or at least I've narrowed down my 30 schools across the country to, oh, wait, I only want to be a couple hours from home. And these are my top five or six criteria. And now I can go attack this thing and really, really be in a good place. It it really focuses you, right? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of nice in that way. Instead of feeling like here's a thousand things I've got to worry about. It's now here's the three things I need to worry about. Um, well, you know, part of this, too, is when you step back and, you know, I'm a, I'm a college professor at James Madison as well. And, and, you know, when I talk to my students, you know, I'm teaching them 
personal finance and decision-making in very much the same way we're just talking about with college decision-making. But what I really share with them is, you know, people think strangely about decisions in that they put them into very discrete buckets. Here's my college decision. Here's my car decision. Here's my house decision. Here's my wife decision or spouse decision. Here's, you know, mm-hmm. here, here's my decision about what, where I'm going to have my reception decision. And everybody thinks of those as completely separate things. Well, it turns out all those decisions have a common thread, a common decision theory that runs through them all. And the idea is what I'm really trying to teach my students or, or, or even with the college decision process is to teach a college is to teach the decision process. That's what they need to get down. So then you pick up that process that you say practice with your college decision and you just start applying it to all these important decisions of your life and they become consistent and repeatable. And that's, you'll hear me say, I say this to my students all the time, consistent and repeatable. It's not a unique thing. Yeah, buying a house is different than buying a car is making a college decision in terms of some of the detailed inputs. But when you think about it as a decision process, they're actually identical. And that's what I'm really trying to, to teach is getting people to think about, you know, if I apply the same process over and over, I'm actually going to get really good at decision making regardless of the decision. Yeah, that's that's massive. I and mean, we talk about stuff all the time with the boys. Uh, and they don't understand. Like, of course, when the whistle blows, we're just trying to win a game. Uh, Coach Shaw used to say it all the time. It's like it's like a chess board. I'm just moving stuff around just to try to win the game. Uh, everything else doesn't matter to me. As soon as the whistle blows again, I'm now just, you know, the uncle, the big brother, whatever you need me to be, your friend, you know, just someone that's a mentor. And what makes us the most proud? And you could – you can see this when you see Daniel hanging out with Davis or the boys or whatever. What makes us the most proud is when it's all said and done and they, they're they gone. They've left. When we're all together, when, we're, when we see each other, we were just at Corey's wedding you know, a couple months ago, and we never talked about the soccer. It's like such a reminder, such a refreshing reminder when you're with all these kids, wildly successful career, had a lot of, lot of good times, and they're all together just a couple years after they left, and they're right. not even talking about the soccer. They're just – with right. each other they're talking yeah. about what they've got in the new job or you know like Corey was getting married and just moved and so they're talking about that and daniel's got this fun thing going on with the trick shots and you know it's just it's just it's a cool thing yeah. it really is and it's such a reminder that all right the soccer's there obviously we want to win it's important you know we're all competitors but what we're here for is we want you to leave you know in our case we want you to be a good man so you could be a good husband so you could be a good co-worker so you could be a good influence in your community, a good father, you know, all of these other factors, which that's, that all starts with your first ever biggest decision of your life. And that's where to go to school or to mm-hmm. go to school or you know, go get a job yeah. instead. And, you know, I, I, I love it. I really do. I think that it's, there's, there's a ton of value there. And I, I really think that most young people nowadays aren't even thinking about that stuff. I know. And, and that is the, the biggest challenge, honestly, Justin mm-hmm. is, is, getting people to recognize that it's it's a challenge. And I think for some reason we put decision-making into this bucket of it just happens if I get drowned it with enough information. And so we're, we're really trying to recast, you know, decision-making as something you have control over and there's a right way to do it. There's tools to help, there are people to help, right? And, but it, it's taking, you know, it, everything I always look at it is like when you start a new business or do anything that's new, you know, 
just because I think it's great doesn't, doesn't mean that everybody else does. Right. And so part of it is like helping people to see, yeah, this can really help you. Um, mm. but you, but you have to you know, let it help you kind of. Jeff. Oh, yeah. Jeez, you got something? I'm sorry. I, I do, but go ahead. I'll go, I'll go after that. Well, um, I just, you said something about, you know, you've posted a lot of content about, um, you know, raising athletes and, you know, making choices and that sort of thing. And it's, I wanted you to kind of delve into creating a, um, a personal choice architecture. And I know that that's, you know, where you're an expert and, you know, as kids and parents are listening to this, how do they think, you know, to themselves and with each other about developing their own kind of decision-making process and how do you rise above, you know, everything that gets thrown at you that we're inundated with every day and, you know, how do you create that sort of system for yourself where you're, you're consistently making decisions right. and choices that are best for you? Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's a great, hugely big question you just asked, Scott. So let me, let me start with this, like backing back, like stepping even back further. You know, we talked about being drowned by information. Well, the, the, the challenge really is sometimes information is weaponized, right? I mean, you know, it's, you know, especially in the political arena. I mean, what happened in 2021 after the election, right? I mean, it was, it was shown that it was just a bunch of false information that drove people to, you know, Americans killing Americans. I mean, that, you know, it's so in my way of thinking, it starts with data curation, right? Like, being very thoughtful about what information that you expose yourself to. So when you talk about a personal decision model, it's, you know, it's funny. Like when I look at my life, like I'll give you an example. My phone is off, meaning it's a toaster. It does not talk to me. There are no alerts. There's no nothing. I know the information that I'm interested in. And I will use my phone to access it. It's a one-way street. I, that's the kind of, you know, like relationship I have with my phone, right? But that's, right. again, being thoughtful about everybody's trying to get your attention um, in terms of data. If you let yourself do that, it, it's, it, it's, it's a real problem. So, you know, so little things like that. But thinking, being an active thinking thinker about data curation, what, what information sources do you use? Are you paying for your information, right? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product is a really famous um, um, aphorism, I think. Um, but, you know, but there's a lot of truth to that, right? If, if you're getting it for free, you're not really getting it for free um, is the truth, right? So I spend a lot of time and I coach people on this, but really focusing about your on your information sources before you even think about making a decision, right? You know, set yourself up for success by being an active data curator, active information curator. Um, so that that is certainly part of of the that that personal model, and you know that that applies like to you know to sort of make the leap to college decision making and soccer recruiting. You know, to me, it's you know that's what it's all about, right? Is being you know learning from people about. You know, if there are people out there that really can help you, and I think Justin mentioned this, 
that can watch you play soccer and can give you an objective sort of tell about this is basically where you fit in the, you know, in sort of the, the, you know, you're very coachable, your, your skills are average. I don't know, whatever it is, but, but then you can say, and here are the kind of schools that you should be considering. I mean, that would be amazing. Right. Right. Um, but you know, but yeah, I, I, it, it starts with that, that data curation piece, but then, you know, taking the step into, you know, we, we economists call it utility, right? Like, but being really thoughtful about what's important to you and in order of operations matters, right? So it's like, don't start shopping for colleges until you know what's important to you about college, right? And, and now there might be a little bit of back and forth with that, right? Like, oh, for me to learn, I do need to actually look at a college so I can, you know, sort of understand at least what it's all about. But at the end of the day, don't make any decisions about college until you've really decided what's important to you. You've built your personal decision model, your, your own, you know, an economics or yeah. utility model. And so that, that's a big part of it too. And, that, and that's why when we deliver our, you know, that, that app and the, the different decision-making services, you know, that comes first, right? The building your decision model always comes long before you step into the world of, well, which colleges do I want to consider? Or what cars do I want to look at, right? Does that, yeah. does that answer your question, Scott? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, and then that. some? I think I think it's important to to think about you know how you're going to make a decision. And um, you and I yeah. talked last week, and you know we're inundated. There's this abundance of choice, right? That um, that we're faced with, and so abundance of choice and abundance of information that you have to kind of mm-hmm. weave your way through and push certain things aside and and stay focused on things. And you know it kind of dovetails into a lot of the content that uh, Cheese and I have, uh, have been a part of here on this podcast, and that's you know looking for a school that you know it's the it's the, the, the cliched thing of if you blew your knee out tomorrow that you would still be happy at that at that campus, right. and and um, that's the most important way to make that decision when especially when sports is involved that you know you mm-hmm. if it's taken away then. Are you still going to want to be there? And um, I think just well, you know, of, you know, Scott, ahead. I have I have an even more, you know, so you know, one of my former roles, I was a um, lead recruiting partner for KPMG, which is one of the big four accounting firms, and so we we cycled and we we hired so many super talented accounting, finance, sciences, you know, sort of all the these different groups and. You know, I think about how we recruit. We could almost care less which college you came from. We came to the conclusion that all colleges have really talented kids. Um, The trick isn't which college you go to. The trick for us was always, you know, recruiting, finding those kids and then and then actively recruiting them. Right. So we would go to big schools, little schools, public schools, private schools. I mean, so we are so we we were quite broad. But where, where I'm going to with this is when a kid thinks about going to college for, for employers, GPA is the signal, right? You know, employers, I don't want to say we're lazy, but when we're making decisions about who we're going to invite to the pool, we know that the GPA signal is a super strong signal. 
kids with higher GPAs just tend to be more successful than the ones that don't. And it's not to say that there's nobody that didn't do great in college that wasn't successful in life. That happens all the time. That's not the point. But when we're focusing on our recruiting, that that's the focus, right? So I'm, my, part of my message when I talk to high school kids, too, is go to a college where you can get a good GPA, right? Don't go to that stretch school. You're going to play soccer for four years, but if if it's such a challenge that you, for whatever reason, can't focus on your academics, unless you're Lionel Messi, you're not going to play soccer professionally after college. You've got the whole rest of your life to make money and to raise a family and to do those things. So, you know, I, I try to make it super simple, right, in that way. It's like there's so many important things to think about. We can create your criteria model, et cetera. But go to that college where you're going to have a reasonably successful academic career. So your signal, right, that you're putting out to the world, like with Daniel, I'm a three nine. That That's a good signal, right? And now not everybody has that signal, but there is a school. I'm pretty convinced of this. There is a school for everybody where you can get that signal. And, and part of it is finding it. That's such a such an interesting statement. You know, I, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I haven't really thought of that myself. That's, that's awesome. That it, it, uh, it, it is true. I think that, I think that a lot of companies are looking at like what you just said, how they're not really like, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It's a GPA. There's also a lot of school, uh, companies that are saying you don't need to go to school. If mm-hmm. you have a different kind of experience that you could, that you could talk about that's yeah. providing value that I would like to hire instead. And um, you know, from what I'm learning, there's a lot of companies out there that are like, well, if I hire a college kid, I still have to teach that college kid how to do this job versus right. I could just hire you out of, you know, working for a couple of years, even at like a fast food restaurant or something like that. But you show that you climbed the ladder, you came in, you're working the register, you were, you were cooking and then you, we climbed you up to an assistant role. And then you, you moved into some sort of management position and you're like, wow, this guy showed massive improvement in just a couple of years. And like, that's something I'd like to hire. You know, they, I've, I've heard so mm-hmm. many, uh, I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. This one guy was talking to this, this girl who had just graduated from a very, very good school. And she had to take out a $200,000 loan in order to attend that school, which of course they wow. gave her at 17, 18 years old. No problem. No problem. You know, mm-hmm. like, here you go, here's your money. And of course this is you know part of the problem that a lot of people find themselves in nowadays. But she graduated and the only jobs that she could find are about 30 to 40 grand a year starting. And she's like, wow, how am I going to pay for this school? And the guy on the podcast is like, I would have taken you instead of four years at this great school. She got an awesome education, right. like nothing negative here, but just talking about value, which is kind of what you were harping on. She, He goes, if you would have just gone to at a job, start at the bottom of the barrel, like my dream job when I, when I retire is going to be, I'm going to Costco. It's like, all right, well, I'll start returning carts and then climb to the greeter guy. And then maybe next time I'm working, you know, the, the, the checkout registers where I'm charged of, you know, six mm-hmm. registers. And he said, if you would have done that, you would have made money. It wouldn't have, you wouldn't be in any debt from school. And I would hire you right away. Cause you showed me that you're a grinder. You're going to work your butt off and you could climb right. the ladder. And that's, that's what I want in my, my place. I still have to teach you the job mm-hmm. whether I'm teaching you or a college grad doesn't matter to me. Yep. And it was like such a, you can tell <laughs> The poor girl was like, oh, you know, like, uh, I wish where I were you when I needed you? Yeah, I needed you. <laughs> so uh, it's just yeah. it really is interesting. And, you know, I, I work at a school. I, I, I believe right. in going to a good school for the right reasons. But 
you know, that's, that's definitely not for everybody. And we, we have to accept that. And that should be okay. It really should. Well, I'll tell you a funny story, Justin, kind of along the lines of that. So I told you about our sort of rule with our kids with, you know, you get four years of Virginia state tuition because Virginia is just too awesome. Right. Um, there's no reason for us to spend more than that. Right. And it also put the governor around him. You got four years to do it. And then, you know, then mm -hmm. the, the gravy train ends, but you know, part of, part of our message too was, Hey, look, if you can find even cheaper ways to do this, and I'll give you an example, like Virginia community college system is amazing. Um, you know, up here in Northern Virginia, we have Nova, you have Jay Sarge in Richmond, you know, CNU was one right at some point, I'm sure yeah. it was at John Tyler, the other ones, but you have this whole uh, Blue Ridge uh, out in the valley, but so you have this whole system of, of community college system that, that, that do, two th do two things. They're much less expensive and they deliver virtually the exact same gen eds that any Virginia State College. I would argue if you're taking Psych 101 at UVA versus Psych 101 at J. Sargent Reynolds, the brain just doesn't change that much. They're all using the same material. Maybe the UVA professor is a little more entertaining. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you're just getting Psych 101 at a 90% discount, right? right? So why would you pay more for value? So one of the things that I told Mike, I said, look, here's the deal. If you go to a community college, I will write you a check in cash for half the money you saved me. And I can remember I said that to my wife. I said that to my kids. My wife thought I was crazy. Uh, my kids also thought I was crazy because none of them took me up on it. <laughs> But, but it was but it was heartfelt, right? Because I know that they're going to get the same information. I mean, it would have been at a community college instead of, of course, in the environment of like a CNU or, or JMU, which is that is different. But when you just purely think about the academics, you know, there's no difference. And I'll tell you one sort of add on to that story is as a recruiter, right? Like when I was recruiting kids, the biggest challenge sometimes we had was we would took, take the same child or student, right? Say they're a junior, the same major, same GPA, right? So we're looking at kids three, five plus, you know, their finance, accounting, whatever it is. And they look literally very, very similar. Well, there, it turns out the biggest thing that we struggle with at a, at a firm like KPMG is the resilience signal. And we call it being the victims of the, the bulldozer or the helicopter parent, right? Which is these kids look great, but they were concierged all the way through the process. So mm -hmm. they look the same, but they don't have the resilience. So what I can tell you is the kid that, that, that has the story of, I went to two years at a community college. It was tough. I didn't have a lot of money. I had to pay for it on my own. I worked at oh, Panera, yeah. whatever that story is, that's the resilience signal that is the differentiator. So as a result, we would absolutely take mm -hmm. the community college kid a little bit harder knock, demonstrated resilience, because you know, at a firm like KPMG, they're gonna work 60, 80 plus hours a week. They got tough assignments. They've got very demanding clients, right? I mean, it's, it's like the real world. We, as you know, employers, we can't, we can't be the ones that stop the concierge train, right? Like it has to happen before they get to us. So they have to build that resilience or they're just going to wash out. Right. Um, no, that's, that's good ahead. stuff. Jeff, tell us no, about that book. Yeah. So I, I wrote this 
book, actually. I have it here, just coincidentally. It's called Making Choices, Making Money, um, Your Guide to Making Confidence Financial Decisions. And so I'm a professor at JMU. That's, I, I teach out of that um, personal finance at James Madison. I use it for seminars. But really what it is, so we've integrated my company. We've integrated our apps in that. So when you buy the book, you also get access to these apps. And basically every, almost every chapter, like we have a chapter on buying a car. And so the chapter on that will have the app there. So it sort of steps you through the process of not just you're more on the decision making side of it, right? Where to gather the information, how to make the decision, but, but using that decision making technology as a way to, again, subtract, right? Structure and subtract the information that's not inf interesting to me, but to help them make the decision. Um, but we, I mean, we do it for a lot of different things. But, you know, as a behavioral economist, the thing that I really obsess on and we talk a lot in the book is a, is a lot of like the, the, the neurobiology, the neuroscience and the behavioral psychology around how we make decisions and why we are in such a tough spot today with this information overload. Uh, and so, you know, the science behind it is powerful. I mean, and that's the great thing. I mean, behavioral economics has just really taken off in the last you know, 10 years, along with the knowledge of our brain, the neuroscience, neurobiology. You know, we're, we're making, you know, leaps and bounds, you know, information, knowledge about how our brain operates, how we make decisions. And so the book is really kind of part one of the book is really building that understanding, right, to sort of really get folks to understand that there are certain decisions you're just not good at and has more to do with our evolutionary biology than anything. Right. So, you know, here's the information I'm selling you a little bit about that. It's it's OK. But then the rest of the book is really focused on, well, here's how we overcome that. Right. And, and but we use very specific personal finance things like we do college decision making car, buying your first home, um, retirement, 401k, you know, kind of the more traditional personal financy things. Um, but. Yeah, but thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's been nice. It's hugely important information for all of us to have, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what our age, I guess, at this point. Um, wish I'd had it when I was, you know, a lot younger, I suppose. But, uh, um, geez, I have one more thing. You got anything else? No, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think we can do another hour uh, if we can schedule a different one. I mean, I, I've like, a lot of follow-ups and uh, mm -hmm. I definitely want to get you actually, Jeff, to come speak to the guys in the spring. We're yes, doing a, yes. a mentor Monday. And I think that a lot of this stuff would be just eye-opening to them. So, oh my uh, God, Justin, you, yeah. you know, I'll be there. So, you know, it's funny. Part of my little part of my job is I'm uh, for Hewlett brothers. I'm their chief of staff, which basically means I do strategy and sort of risk management for them. I'm the guy you don't see. And you don't want to mm -hmm. see me jumping around the screen doing trick <laughs> shots. So anyway, so as a result, I'm down there and, you know, and they're, they, they've got an office there in Yorktown and they got their place across the street. So, you know, yeah. I'd love to connect up and uh, yeah, I'm very passionate about it and would love to absolutely love to give back to the program that's given so much to my family. Uh, that'd be perfect. Um, we got Scott. And I expect you guys to record that, by the way. Uh, for our <laughs> program. Yeah. So, of course, Jeff, at the very beginning, we were talking about the end of Daniel's career. And um, two nights from now will possibly be the end of my son's career. And um, I wanted you to just delve into the emotions that you felt. And if you were to 
you know, uh, you know, like Cheese asked you before, you know, talk to the the Jeff from a couple of years ago and, um, you know, coach right. yourself through that process. Um, you know, th- there's going to be not just me, but, you know, there's people who will listen to this who are going to go through the same thing. And whether it's at the end of their college career or their high school career, um, then it's, it's, I anticipate it'll be a, a tough moment for, for us. Yeah. Well, you know, I can, you know, that, that last season, you know, it, for us, it was a little weird too, right? Because Daniel made the decision to stay for the fifth year as Davis did as well. And, you know, their roommates, best friends, co-captains, you know, their, their whole story is a really neat story. Um, but, you know, so, but, but the pandemic impact for them was tremendous, right? And just, you know, and I, I think in many ways, and I've said this before that, you know, the, the, the students that really figured it out and were flexible, were adaptable, they're our future leaders, right? Because they took a situation nobody knew anything about and they figured out not just how to like deal with it, they actually made some success with it, right? In, in terms of like, I think, you know, like with Daniel, he started his business. He, um, you know, he, he would he be, you know, of course was the captain of the team and all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, that was a very interesting time. And so when you, you question, your question, Scott, is, you know, thinking back to that self of me and, you know, it was just such a weirdness of what was going on then. But I would say for me, it's just being confident that, um, you know, people are incredibly resilient and, you know, you're a parent, Scott and Justin, you're a parent, you're, you know, be confident in the way you're raising your children to the point where you can just like let go and be confident knowing that you're releasing them to the world. And that while you're not exactly sure how it's going to turn out, you really, you know, be confident in the knowledge that you raise them well and that whatever it is, they will do well. Um, so, you know, for us, that meant, you know, when we were there at, at Washington and Lee and it was just it was that strange moment of it was all over. And, you know, for me, Daniel, while he's not our youngest, he was our last sports child. Right. So for me, it was not just it was a rite of passage into like being a sports empty nester. Right. Like I had no more games to go to. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, so part of that was just get, getting over that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to make sound crass or anything, but it was just sort of like, you know, I feel good about being a parent and I feel very blessed that I'm still married to my wife and she'll keep me around. And, um, you know, just sort of went on with the with the next thing. That's awesome. I appreciate that, Jeff. Yep. Um, yeah. Geez, you're right. There's there's a lot more to get into and, and um, follow ups to a lot of different things. Um, so we'll definitely get this on the calendar again for sure. So. Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun, um, and I'm really Scott. Um, thank you so much for doing this, and Justin too, of course. And you know, I, I have gone through several of your podcasts. I, I you know, your approach is, is is you know that's why I'm here. I really like what you're doing, and I think you know it does feel like you're very focused, of course, on soccer recruiting and getting the message out to people, but. To me, it's a little bit bigger than that, and, it, and I like that it's a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. That's beautiful stuff. Hey, uh, do you see my mug? Ah, 
yeah. yeah. And you got the old man in there. Got Steve in so there, yeah. The boys, uh, they just went out and visited uh, Connor, didn't they? Weren't they out there just, what, a month ago or something? Yep. Yeah. They went out, he's doing that national park thing. And I guess, and I think David and Davis and Daniel, Daniel are coaching with Cheese for one of his his local whatever. I, it's oh. just amazing to me that Steve still oh, yeah, yeah. his, you know, he's still coaching, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, yeah, Shaw said that. Shaw said thing. that uh, he had them out there with the kids, and they're like nine or something. So, yeah, right. I mean, they probably think uh, you know Davis and Daniel are these just rock star, superstar guys. I don't even know if they know about the trick shot stuff. So, you know, yeah, they're just they're just kids, and they think that they're the they're the world. It's such a cool thing. It's I'm glad they give back. It's one of the messages that we tell the boys when they graduate. It's like it's yeah. giving you so much. Your best friends when you get married, you're gonna have guys standing up there and in the crowd and. Uh, this is a for life type family that soccer has provided you. This school specifically provide this program. And so just make sure you give back a little bit. And we always tell them like giving back could simply be you have a son and you introduce him to the sport or her to the sport, a daughter. And just, hey, this is what daddy did. And I, I enjoyed it. Just check it out, man. You, you might get a new friend out of it. You may not like it, but you you I introduced you to it and it, it was important to daddy for such a long time. And so we always tell the boys to do that and they're jumping ahead. They don't have their own kids yet, but they're already giving back to the community that came and watched them play for four years. And that's just uh, it's, it's an awesome thing. It's good to see that they're out there. Thank you for listening to the tales from the trail podcast by match play. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash match play. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.